Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wool on us. Facing and taking on all the plate to pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinizing through their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Some of the old timers listening to this podcast may recall the crypto wars of the 1990s. That was back when the U.S. government tried to force uh, anyone making a system that transmitted voice to use the clipper chip and put it into those systems. The idea behind the clipper chip was that it would be a key escrow system whereby you could make encrypted voice calls, but the government would have access to a key that it held in escrow if it ever wanted to tap those calls. Uh, there was a big fight about this from security experts, cryptographers, and uh, also civil libertarians. And eventually, cryptographer Matt Blaze showed that the Clipper chip was actually very easily hacked. Uh, and magically, the mandate for the Clipper chip basically disintegrated. There were a few other skirmishes in the crypto wars. But for the most part, security experts and civil libertarians had won out cryptography didn't require backdoors and people were left alone to innovate and do all sorts of wonderful things that we now love and enjoy on the internet and elsewhere today. In the past year and a half or so, however, this decades-old issue has suddenly popped back up, led mostly by FBI Director Jim Comey, and brought about in part by the better and better security on iPhones in particular. Comey and some of his supporters argue that they should always be able to get what they call lawful access to a phone and any information on that phone. They argue that this is different than, say, NSA surveillance, uh, such as what we discussed last week on the podcast, uh, because this involves an actual warrant. Comey has referred to the issue here as the going dark problem, saying that without lawful access, the FBI and others in law enforcement are having evidence go dark since they can't look at what's on those phones. In response to that concern, Comey would like for any app or device maker who offers encryption to have some sort of backdoor that will let in law enforcement with a warrant. Uh, Comey and his supporters complain that civil, liberty, civil libertarians don't want any kind of surveillance at all, but that's not actually what people are complaining about. The fear from lots of us, including security experts and civil libertarians and people who just care about privacy and security, uh, is, isn't the fear of lawful access so much, though there is at least some concern there, but really how any kind of backdoor to encryption, by definition, makes that encryption much weaker. Encryption is hard. Good encryption is very, very hard, and a tiny mistake can ruin the whole thing. And forcing a backdoor into any encryption system opens up a massive and almost certainly exploitable hole. And even worse, it's a hole that is generally impossible to fix. Putting backdoors into encryption 
creates all sorts of problems totally unrelated to the question of whether or not it's okay for the FBI to go snooping on someone's communications. The bigger issue is that hole and what it means for everyone's privacy from uh, not just law enforcement, but anyone who with malicious intent. Now, this has been explained to Comey and others repeatedly, but Comey's response each time is to demand that security folks and technologists nerd harder. That is, he insists that if they can put a man on the moon, surely they can build a secure back door. But as that same Matt Blaze once said, when he hears Comey uh, complaining or comparing back doors to putting a man on the moon, it sounds like, well, if you can put a man on the moon, surely you can put a man on the sun. Uh, here at TechDirt, one of our writers, Tim Cushing, has been following the going dark debate since Comey first brought it up a few years ago, and he's joining us today, along with our usual co-host Dennis Yang, to talk about Jim Comey and going dark and all that fun stuff about encryption and backdoors. Uh, and let's start with kind of the, the latest news, I guess. Uh, Comey uh, just recently testified before the Senate on a variety of issues, including going dark. And uh, so, Tim, what did he have to say? Well, um, I think what he's coming up with is uh, he's maybe seeing an edge here now that Trump is in office. There wasn't much hope when Obama was in place, and I think some of that sprung from Snowden's revelations. So he rolled back from there and held off on it and wouldn't make any promise one way or the other, but definitely sounded like he was siding with no. But now that Trump is in office and has issued among other things, you know, executive orders and statements stating pretty much full-fledged support for law enforcement. Uh, figure he's got uh, possibly an ear up in the White House to get this pushed through. I don't know if he wants, I don't think he would actually go out and say at this point he wants to have legislation. Mm -hmm. Comey wouldn't, but I, uh, he would definitely not be unopposed <laughs> if other people started pushing it through for him. <clears throat> and so. yeah, and I mean, there there was right. So there was legislation proposed last year. Um, Diane Feinstein and Richard Burr, right? They put forth some some legislation that would, you know, r mandate backdoors to any encryption. Um, you know, the, the the legislation they released was insane and unworkable, but it was there. Um, and there's nothing saying that whatever you know, if legislation does come up, that it won't also be as insane as and as unworkable as last time around. Um, is there, when he was testifying before the, the Senate, was there, did it seem like there was interest in, in legislation? Um, I think there was some muted interest from him. I don't think he wanted to talk about it in an open session. Okay. But uh, obviously Feinstein brought up hers, and uh, I'm trying to remember what the other senator was who... I think or basically Orrin Hatch. It, yeah, it was Orrin Hatch who basically stated that if uh, if some sort of legislation were to come up, he was all for it and would do what he can to run it through. So he knows he's got a couple there, but it's I, I just I think he didn't want to talk about it in an open room. I think he's much more receptive to the idea once he's discussing this behind closed doors. Right. And and part of his argument, like the argument that he always makes is he sort of tries to lay out, you know, examples of what he claims are, you know, like phones that he can't get into, right? Or that the FBI can't yeah. get into. And so that was part of part of his presentation as well. Yeah. And that was his claim was 
by a little less than 50% of 6,000 phones the FBI has on hand it can't get into, roughly about 3,000 of them. It didn't give a time period for how long they've been collecting these or anything else like that to give you any idea how often they're running into this. This could be a half decade's worth of phones for all we know, but that was the number he gave. And uh, I don't doubt that it's a problem, but I don't think he's got any better solution than give us a back door, preferably legislatively, and I think he wants to kind of step back and, and let other people take care of all that dirty work for him. He'll just keep talking about it and, and <laughs> can kind of swoop in and, and take advantage of it once it's in place. <clears throat> and, I mean, so last year, right, there was, there was all this attention around, like, the legal battle um, to try and get into that one iPhone, right? I, I guess there were a couple legal battles, yeah. but there was, there was most of the attention was on the, the one in Southern California, um, where the Justice Department um, was trying to use the All Writs Act, right? Right. And yeah, how, how did how does that work? <laughs> well, it's it's the fun stuff where you go back to I think 1789 and apply that uh, act to something completely inconceivable at the point it was crafted, and say this is. This is like our blank permission slip for any time we find something legislation hasn't particularly addressed, and we'll use that until a court stops us. And I don't know. If they hadn't gotten the pushback they'd gotten from Apple, it may have worked, in which case it would have had the precedent they had, but they had to go another route and prove that, despite everything Comey's saying, there are still options to get into these phones. It may get harder and harder to do, depending on the encryption, but it's far from the point where the only solution is to make it a, a, you know, just kind of like a blanket law or, you know, precedential decision that says if they produce a warrant, the company needs to open the phone right? one way or the other, either backdoor or going in and like they were suggesting for Apple and writing new software, you know, writing new code to punch holes in it yeah i mean backdoor can mean all all sorts of things and, and sort of the creative thing about that that particular lawsuit was they weren't you know it, it wasn't a backdoor in the way that people were thinking of they weren't necessarily they had basically found effectively a vulnerability within the way apple um handled encryption on the device that if you sort of force loaded you know uh a, a new version of the operating system you could kind of get around the controls that blocked you from from you know quickly trying lots of passcodes and and then they could try lots of passcodes to get in right right yeah it's just a way to <clears throat> trick the system out so it doesn't lock you out after a certain number of guesses and i mean there's plenty of companies opening uh, are offering that sort of forensic software already it's not like it's anything new that <clears throat> the fbi wasn't aware of i think it just wanted to have that decision rather than explore the other options right and, and eventually they dropped they dropped the case because they they did figure out some way in though it's right. still not entirely clear you know where or how they they, <laughs> they did get in their rumors but also denials right about those rumors. yes and <laughs> tons of fo uh foia requests that are getting no answers and are redacted into just here's a couple of sentences of uh you know it's just the, the boilerplate that went with the contract or something, and there's nothing of info of how that was done, which I guess for some security reasons is good. You don't want everybody to know how you got into it, but then on the other hand, 
if this is what they're going to be using, I think the public has some right to know right. what sort of techniques are being deployed against cell phones, especially if it's going to create a persistent uh, backdoor flaw or a persistent exploit. That Right. And I mean, is is there any, you know, one of my concerns, and I've raised this before, I mean, is there any effort at all from, from law enforcement to do any kind of like cost benefit analysis here in terms of, you know, <laughs> how much, how much potential harm this does versus how much benefit? Um, I don't think I've seen anything that indicates that they're thinking much further than, uh, what would be simplest and easiest <laughs> for them. Right. Uh, and especially from the same voices that are speaking up loudest about it, that being the FBI and that being, of course, uh, up in Manhattan, the DA up there, um, whose name is, is uh, Cy Vance, right. who's also yelling about it. It's just, it just seems to be whatever makes it easiest and quickest for us to do what we want to do and everything else that falls out from that, we'll guess we'll deal with it once we've got what we need in place. So, no, I don't see that, but I do... You know, like browsing through muckrock and stuff, see that there's lots of other forensic capabilities and exploits being used by other companies that local law enforcement are hiring. So it doesn't seem like the way the FBI and Cy Vance stated that this is crippling law enforcement all over. It's expensive and yeah, it's I mean, be- time consuming, but it's not impossible. Because, I mean, I, th- I feel like, you know, when, when it comes to like, you know, technological advances like this, like solutions to problems, if they don't have kind of any checks and balances, it, you know, I guess the cost benefit thing seems like a great thing to kind of push on. Is it like, do we solve, you know, do we, do we allow for everything that they want at any cost? Or, you know, otherwise we're, we're left to only kind of almost like a moral, moral or philosophical debate. Um, and it really feels like, you know, from from where I said, you know, I'm not I'm not involved in a lot of the, these you know, issues and thinking about them on a day to day basis. But it seems like, you know, it it can't only be like a philosophical debate, <laughs> right? Right. Um, and is that because it's just, it doesn't feel practical? I mean, I, I maybe this is me coming from like a different angle on this. Um, yeah. No, I think that's a good point. It's it can't just be right. You know, just a clear black and white, right and wrong. There's only going to be one <clears throat> solution and it's not going to make one side happy at all. And the cost benefit thing is a good thing to, to look at as for all the time and effort spent in terms of just paying DOJ lawyers before the fact that the FBI went and paid whatever it was multiple times, James Comey's annual salary to go right. unlock one phone to find nothing on it. And you look at that and go, well, Sure, you wouldn't have known there was nothing on it till you had it open, but then again, yeah. what kind of, we're dumping this into how many phones then if this is the FBI's day-to-day issue? Right. And then, you know, how much cost is that overall to, you know, all of, I mean, forget about saying which private companies have to spend time developing the necessary software to make this only accessible theoretically by the, the right people. Um, you know, th- this is oh. non-zero time, right? Like it's, and these are, are companies and, and resources that are being spent to do this and it comes at a cost somewhere right and, i mean and you know the other cost is the one that i've brought up a bunch of times which is just the fact that if you're making everyone else less secure right i mean if you're going to lead to a cyber crime spree <laughs> uh, because you you know forcefully right. weakened encryption on millions of devices 
um, that seems like a pretty big cost right. also, right? Yeah. And, I, you know, I find it especially ironic. I mean, I, I had, I've written a few times about this, the fact that, like, you know, previously the FBI used to encourage you to encrypt your phone. <laughs> um, and, Wait, you what, know, what was that? They, 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 they did? They, yeah, they had a page on their website that encouraged people to encrypt oh, really? the data on their phone to, to protect it from, you know, from hackers. And right, so, right. you know... If if your goal is to you know to be law enforcement and to protect the public, you actually generally should want them to use encryption. The only time that you don't like the encryption is when it stops you from being able to get, um, you know, the the criminals that you're Something. after, right. right? And so, but but to me, part of this whole debate is, that is so annoying to me is like is this sort of entitlement <laughs> from law enforcement that they they feel entitled to every bit of information they can have. And yet, if you look, I mean, historically, before we had smartphones, they couldn't get any of this information. People would meet in person and talk in person or, right. you know, discuss in other ways where, you know, yeah, they, they were They had to do police work. Right. They had to actually do <laughs> do their job and do law enforcement and detective work yeah. and investigations. It's the Federal Bureau of Investigations. They have other means to investigate stuff. Uh, anymore. <laughs> right? I, Round up the usual smartphones. If I were in the FBI, isn't that kind of the fun of being an FBI agent? Is like coming up with a case and like I don't know, maybe maybe I watch too much TV, but like it seems like that's part of the yeah. challenge of of doing law enforcement is to try and figure out how crimes are being committed. Right, but but they're they're know? trying to take a shortcut, right? And yeah. so to them, getting it, being able to get into an iPhone is is part of that investigation. And and what you know what I'm arguing and what other people are arguing is that you know. That's not the only, just because that's the easiest way, that doesn't mean like, you that's know, the only way. that's the yeah. only way to do it. And, you know, and lots of people pointed out there are lots of other ways to get into a phone. First of all, like most people are sloppy. <laughs> um, and so even if you encrypt a phone, like if somebody really wants to get in, they can get in, you know what I mean? Which is kind of what we saw with the, the phone in Santa Barbara. You know, there's almost always ways to get in if if necessary. You know, a lot of times, you know, information on an iPhone is backed up to to the iCloud, right? And and Apple can then give law enforcement access to it. And in fact, yeah. which in is this a case, whole different issue, right? So, well, yes and no, right? I mean, in this case, like in in the case in Santa Barbara, if I remember correctly, and it's you know it's been a year, so I don't remember all the details, but I think like that was going to happen, but it was something that 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 the FBI did. In the first place, that erased the the iCloud backup. Yeah, that's right. Um, they uh, they yeah, made they a first attempt at yeah. it. And, yeah, yeah, and, and destroyed the evidence. Right, <laughs> and then and then complained <laughs> that they didn't have another way in. And so then didn't they ask like don't, like Hey, did you guys make a backup of this or something? <laughs> I feel like they asked somebody like they're like Oh, I, no. I don't remember. Right I don't remember. after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't remember the details, but it was something to that effect where like if they had just yeah. done things a different way, they would have been able to get that, that thing. And, and, you know, and so most people do back up their information or, you know, their passwords are easily figure outable or, you know, they write them down on a piece of paper on their desk or something and the FBI can get access to that. There's all, all sorts of, you know, ways in or, you know, if they're texting other people, you can get access to those other texts or, you know, the right. other, the other, other people, the other side, you know, the other parties to the, to the communication. Or what they were doing in the UK. I think they were discussing some of that. I don't know how much of that's taken off where they knew they were using devices, the criminals, they would try to bust them while they had their phones out like arrest <laughs> right. them and while they were using their phones and just snatched the phone before they could, before they could lock, lock it, it up. Yeah. 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 And the point being that there's like all these other ways in and, you know, and, and the point that, that, 
this report, and I'm, I'm blanking, I feel bad now, but I'm blanking on who put together this report, but there was the report that basically said, you know, for all the complaining of going dark, right, it's this one tiny bit that's going dark. We're also living in an age where because you have smartphones and devices yeah. and, you know, Amazon Echo and, you know, all of these devices right. getting so much more information that the FBI never could have gotten access to before, but now at least has some access to, they have so much more information in general than they ever had in the past. And the fact that they can't, might not be able to get some information off of a phone is not necessarily that big of a deal. No, not really. I mean, yeah, and like that other recent case where uh, they pulled information from a Fitbit to help solve a murder case. <laughs> right. Yeah, what, so, what, what, what were the details? There? I remember seeing that, but I don't remember the It details. was that uh, the Fitbit was still recording footsteps on the dead wife after the husband had already said that she had died huh. it was after he said he had discovered her dead the guy who killed her or was alleged to have killed her anyway yeah so they pulled up her fitbit uh <laughs> info and saw that it, she was still very much alive past the point he said that he had discovered her body <laughs> kind of incredible when you think I, about I it. love the the new york times headline reads in Connecticut murder case, a fitbit is a silent witness <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> Yeah, and there's so much of that out there, and everybody's got yeah. so many of these devices. It's, I mean, that's the way you can put that together. Would you need to get that? What would you find in that guy's phone? Probably nothing but the Fitbit. <laughs> right. Well, the phone now has your walk, your your pedometer too. So maybe. Yeah. Yep. Well, that could yeah. be encrypted too. Who knows? I don't yeah. know. But you know, there's all sorts of stuff, right? And there was the other case um, where they were the police were trying to, to I, I forget the exact details again here, but I think they were trying to subpoena data from Amazon, from the Amazon Echo in another murder case, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you have all of these other ways of suddenly, you know, tracking people down or, you know, tracking information down. The fact that one piece of it may be, you know, more difficult for law enforcement to get into doesn't seem like it should be that big of a deal. And yet, you know, they, they're, they're making it such a big deal. I think the only point that Comey made in his testimony and his, well, both his pre-printed one, the one he actually gave, about this uh, that I have some sympathy for, and this will be one of the few times I say that about <laughs> Comey, is uh, that a lot of these solutions that are suggested and brought up, they just don't scale. And I understand that. Sure. But, but that's not to say that they're useless and that they should be discarded out of hand in, in favor of something that's just going to cover everybody. Right. I mean, to some extent, my reaction to that is like, so what? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. want the FBI's investigatory powers to scale, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I want them to be targeted and I want them to be careful. Um, and I want them to be specific to each case. You know, when, when you have a solution that scales, you get things like we were talking about last week with, with NSA surveillance, right? I mean, you know, right. then you start getting into mass surveillance for the sake of, you know, law enforcement. And that's a problem. So, like, yeah. you know, they're not supposed to scale, Comey. Come on. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I guess I'm thinking of more in fact that, you know, something works for the FBI may not work for local law sure. enforcement and vice versa. And I understand that sort of, I mean, it's not anything I'd be willing to grant him too much on. But, <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. You know, the FBI can go spend whatever they spent on this forensic thing, whereas some other local law enforcement agency is going to have, you know, nearly a million dollars to sure, break into sure. one phone. But the thing is, I mean, you know, they cooperate a lot. I mean, you know, local law yeah. enforcement is able to send stuff, send devices to the FBI, and they have, like, you know, forensic centers and, and you know, all these different things, right? 
Yeah, they have all that. Plus, I think the other thing that gets discounted a lot in this discussion is human nature in general. And from reading as many court decisions as I have on Fourth Amendment issues and whatever, that you can't overstate how how cooperative people tend to be when faced with law enforcement. Right. Um, you see just amazing things that statements they've made and access they've granted and searches they've given consent to and just considering how much has been uncovered from those that it's amazing they would even do that but yet that's I think that's a lot of human nature is is some people just when they're caught they're caught and they'll just give it all up and I, I don't think that gets discussed much that as many of these devices as they have, I don't know how much they've tried to talk to. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, witnesses and other people who might have had access to some of the other ways to the other vectors to get into. Yeah. People they've talked to and things like that. And or they just look at the phone and go, well, I don't know what to do. This one's locked. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of <clears> think like this whole like, oh, you know, whatever, 46 percent or whatever of phones that I can't get into or like, you know, I know Cy Vance is famous for like setting up a table with a bunch of phones that mm -hmm. he claims he can't get into. Uh, like that's the wrong metric. Right. I mean, the real metric should be like, let's talk about actual crimes that you couldn't solve. Right. Because yeah. like, I don't think they have too many of those. Right. I mean. They're obviously like unsolved crimes, but I, I want to find the crimes that they can't solve just because they can't get into this phone. Because, you know, it seems like there's almost always other ways around it. That'd be a good metric to see. Yeah, it, it's never linked to what percentage they think or what they can even associate it with. They'll just mention vaguely that X, this crime, you know, went unsolved because we didn't have access to the phone. And, of course, that's on faith because they don't know whether or not that phone has evidence right, on there. Right. Just assuming that because it's locked, it must have what they needed on it. I mean, I think I, I vaguely recall early on, like early on in the going dark debate, Comey did like he gave a speech that listed out a few examples, but like people went through them and it turned out that it was, it was never the phone that was the issue in all of them. I mean, it was just like three really bad examples if I remember correctly. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and so, like, I mean, you would think, right, if there were clear crimes where they could point to, like, if only we had access to this phone, like, that's what they would be trumpeting. I mean, that's that's a much more convincing argument, certainly, than, like, you know, I have 6,000 phones and I can't get into 2,700 mm. of them or whatever. That might just be the law enforcement mentality of the, upon information and belief, drug users, et cetera, use <laughs> cell phones. So, therefore, evidence must be on them. Therefore, if the cell phone is locked, yeah, that's evidence we can't get. So, <clears throat> I don't know how much of that dead ends investigations prematurely if they... Yeah, just I like mean, face with a handful of phones and go. Well, I'll, I don't know. The thing is, like, more. yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm debating whether or not it's worth going down this tangent of of how much FBI investigation these days tends to be uh, just setting up fake terrorists <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> as opposed to actually solving crimes. Yeah, um, it, yeah, which is a whole other issue. We probably don't need to go down that that path. <laughs> we, we've certainly written about it enough, both both you and <laughs> An I. Easy win is still a win. <laughs> can't discount it yeah um yeah i mean oh gosh it, it, the whole thing is 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 just kind of annoying to me and and the thing is too it's like it's not just the u.s right i mean so comey and cy vance are sort of leading the the charge here in the u.s but but you know we're definitely seeing it come up elsewhere the uk there's definitely been discussion about it um where else france does it on and off depending it's always post-attack and understandably that's when everybody wants to discuss it but right it hasn't stuck as far as i can tell there's 
the police force, law enforcement in France, I think, uh, sometime last year, maybe it was towards the end of 2015, wrote up some big long list of all the things they really, really wanted to have, which was, of course, encryption backdoors and other things, but I haven't heard about any more movement forward on that legislatively. Right. Yeah, I mean, but it also brings up the other issue, which is the, the flip side of that, which is that, you know, encryption and communications um, are also international. And if you mandate backdoors in the U.S., for example, that's not going to impact a software company that is not based in the U.S. or an open source product that is available anywhere. I mean, there's all sorts of things about, you know, like if if they were to mandate these backdoors, you would have situations where people who were actually planning criminal activity um, most likely would find some other way to communicate that was not subject to the backdoor mandate. Right. And there's no shortage of options for that. So that's the other thing that's also in the cost benefit that needs to be looked at is how much business will you chase offshore if you decide to mandate something here or vice versa in Europe where you mandate a backdoor and then everybody shifts over to where it isn't right. backdoored, starts buying devices and computers from these companies yeah and and there's you know there's this sort of implicit bias to a lot of this which is just like the idea that only people doing criminal activity are using encryption whereas you know there's all sorts of reasons to use encryption in your everyday lives and because encryption is cool (laughs) i mean (laughs) i don't know if that's the 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 motto that they're going for we've all seen the bumper (laughs) you can you can you can pitch that uh, and and make a banner. <laughs> PGP is your friend, no? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, there are other other good reasons to okay, en- encrypt your communications, and and certainly, you know, I, I've seen a lot more people using Signal, uh, for example. Uh, Signal is the you know the sort of popular open source encrypted um, uh, text messenger, uh, or you know, instant messaging or text messaging replacement. And one of the features that it has is every time somebody in your address book signs up, it notifies you. And I keep getting notifications from people (laughs) signing up for a signal. It's like, oh, interesting. Who's, who's suddenly concerned about their privacy? Which which seems like a strange thing to do when you're concerned about privacy. That, that did always strike me as sort of an odd (laughs) feature of signal. And I think actually like. Like Magic is now on signal. (laughs) Right. So the, there, there, there are definitely some oddities there, and I know that there were some complaints because because it was based on your address book. Right. Um, I know that some some journalists pointed out, like, "Hey, you know, I don't necessarily want my secret sources in my address book, right? And I do want to talk to them on Signal, and I believe that Signal did something to fix that, so that is not that is not. Well, some some reporters I saw the other day, um, they she had on her Twitter profile like, DM me to to send me a signal or something. And I was like, what? That's confusing. Like, <laughs> if I want to DM you to send an anonymous message to you, wouldn't... Right. Well, like, it's not it's not anonymous, right? So signal's not anonymous. It's just encrypted, right? So oh, there's, the, the, there's the difference there, right? So, and this is something that always gets lost in a lot of these debates, the difference between sort of privacy, which is that other people can't right. see it, and anonymity, which is that the person you're talking to doesn't know who you are, right? And so signal's not for anonymity so much as it's for privacy. So, you know, something like that, what they're 
doing is they're saying DM and I'll give you, you know, my, my signal contact information and then we I can see. talk in an encrypted way. So that and then do the messages, I don't really use it that much. So do the messages disappear or you, no? It's an option. Okay. So signal, you can set, you can set it so you have disappearing messages. I just sent you one. So we'll see what did happens. Did you just send me a message? Okay, well, I'll, I'll check. Did you, did you put a timer on it or not? No, I, I just, I just learned about that feature. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so when I reply, I can put a timer on the reply. And then, you know, you can have it disappear after a day or, or whatever. Um, and so, you know, that's, it's, a, it's a nice feature, but, you know, nothing is, is foolproof. Um, and, you know, <laughs> really? Huh. Yeah. Does, it, it, does it tell you if I screenshot it? No? Does it do like a snapshot thing? Uh, snapshot thing? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Hmm. Um, I mean, we can test yeah. it. I'm not going to do it right now. No, I don't think it does. And I don't know if that was the one where everybody blew up on. Yeah. Twitter for a few days about the fact that it wouldn't notify you if somebody took a screenshot of it. I, can't I don't, I don't that think one or a different. No, I think it was a different one because because Signal. I mean, Signal is <clears throat> is unlike a lot of these sort of you know secure chat apps. Signal is very very deliberate and specific in right. their messaging. Right. Most a lot of the other ones are are you know hype up marketing claims beyond what is good <laughs> and reasonable whereas signal is is very very careful to be right. very explicit and very accurate in their marketing and and they're not they don't pitch it as like you know a the the, the disappearing messages is a feature but it's not like a selling point for Got signal it. it's not it's not something that they're you know that they're really like do disappearing messages right so yeah. that's that's just it's just meant user. to be an encrypted right uh, end to end it's an end to end yeah. encrypted system um, and, um, and it also does voice too, and, yeah. you know, all sorts of other things. It's also open source and, and, you know, widely reviewed and, and, and widely respected the team there. So, um, but, you know, and again, since it's open source and since other people can and do implement it, like any mandate for backdoors, you know, again, right. you know, it, it's just tough to see how that really makes a difference other than creating a massive nuisance for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the only one it causes any convenience, you know, generates convenience for is going to be law enforcement or government, and I don't think that's really yeah. going to be anybody's prime selling point. <clears throat> yeah, and, uh, you know, and, and there's a point to be made, which is that, you know, frankly, in a civilization that believes in civil liberties, like law enforcement's job is supposed to be hard. Right. Right. It's, you know, innocent until proven guilty is there for a, a, a reason. You know, right. we don't we don't want to make life easy for, for law enforcement because right. I mean, authoritarian authoritarian regimes have pretty easy time doing law enforcement. Is that what, right. what you think? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the easiest. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, a relatively freer society is not supposed to do that right? right like we put restrictions on our law enforcement for a reason <laughs> um and but that's a point that just doesn't seem to come up in this debate and nobody seems to raise it you know to comey which is like right yeah your job's hard that's supposed to be hard like yeah well now, well now that he has points. the trump administration and you know i definitely yeah. think that's why he's pushing on it i think uh, i mean i saw a news story the other day it was like trump loves like admires authoritarian regimes because of the ease with which they get to, to make to make policies or something so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you just write something up and it's done yeah, yeah you don't have to convince anyone to do stuff if you just run everything it's like yeah. man that north korea they they're so efficient yeah that darn constitution we have 
A drug war out in the Philippines. They got that nailed down. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just extrajudicial killings all the time. Clean it up in no time. I don't know. Seems to be a lot of people still getting killed out there. I don't think it's really working with the drug war there. Yeah. <clears throat> Once you kill everyone, then it all stops. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the, the final solution, as as it were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> on on that note, <laughs> uh, I think we've we've covered this one. Uh, <laughs> we, have any, <laughs> we have any any final commentary um, other than like you know, going dark is dumb. <laughs> yeah, going. Dark. I do like when you Google going dark. The FBI does uh, have really good SEO for it, actually. Really? <laughs> they have a page. What, 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 what do you see? It's going I'm dark. Curious. They have a whole web page called Going Dark. They have the number one result. Just Google going, going dark? dark. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, Comey's earned it. Yeah, so <laughs> good job. He's certainly uh, done the SEO work. Campaign now, at FBI. So now, now I'm suddenly wondering if we should we should send a FOIA request if they're doing any SEO. Yeah, I want to see. Dark. I want to see the campaigns. I want to see yeah. the ads they're running. Like what kind of white hat or black hat SEO <laughs> I, campaigns I are they doing for Going Dark? Like, I did. Be, ad buy. Yeah. Well, because because. Uh, Cy Vance had done, they had done in, in New York, they did a campaign about encryption and it had like a logo and yeah. like a, a, a theme. Do you, I don't, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like something unlock something. I can't remember what it was, but they had a whole logo. So yeah. I sent a FOIA request to find out like how much did, <laughs> how much did they pay to, for somebody to create this logo and, right. and, oh, you you know, did? and they, did you, did it yeah. come back? Yeah. I came back and like, we have no responsive documents, oh. which, oh sure. Yeah. I this is, I mean, that. I mean, going dark sounds, it's kind of a cool term to SEO for, right? You can have like sure. a fundraiser <laughs> called going dark. You could have a band called going dark. This is <laughs> a... I don't know. On my search, I get the second, uh, really? the second hit is for Urban yeah, Dictionary. Me too. So I'm not sure how well that's, <laughs> well, I guess at least they're outranking that. Yeah. But I did think that was kind of funny that they have the top result. <laughs> Well, they've been they've been working on that brand for a while, so <laughs> yeah. good job, them, FBI. Good job. Give them some credit. Um, wow, yeah, a nice short domain is... name. It's awesome. FBI.gov. Yeah. Well, you know, they must have got in on that one early. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they have a special advantage there. <laughs> you know, it's not like they they got like goingdark.gov, but I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I don't know. That might send the wrong message. I mean, that's kind of... <laughs> yeah, perhaps. <laughs> this is our new FOIA <laughs> por- portal. <laughs> going Good luck. Uh, um, yeah, especially considering the FBI. They, they recently changed how they accept FOIAs to make it more and more difficult to actually submit. Sure. Like, you, couldn't, you can't submit you them by email. by pigeon or something? <laughs> it's a, pretty much. <laughs> that was basically... They, they, they shut down the email, FOIA by email really? uh, system. Yep. And then for a while, they were telling everybody they had to go through their... Their website? Not all that well-functioning web page, plus submit all sorts of personal information. Right. To get something. And then, then there was the, the ludicrous, like, you could only do it during, like, working hours or something. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite <laughs> Sorry, part. this website is closed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> expect to go in there during the daytime hours and see a next window, please. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> Pop right. in to request Out something. to lunch. I mean, of course, you know, that, that raises the question, right? If, if the FBI can't get a, a FOIA website working 24 hours a day, 
like how seriously can we take them when they say they can't figure out how to unlock phones? <laughs> maybe the problem must is be unlocked between <laughs> hours of 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Yeah, maybe the problem is with your technical staff, FBI. Send a public requ- records request on that to see who the smartest smart person you actually talked to is. <laughs> That's right. If this is the best they're doing on their website. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. for the, the FOIA request. You can email questions, but you have to mail it after it's done. So. Yes. <laughs> That's convenient. The whole thing is, yeah. Well, we should do we should do a podcast on on FOIA stuff at some point. That would be awesome. We should we should submit some like, we should have a challenge to have the craziest FOIA, and then. <laughs> oh, I saw one in Muckrock that probably had a top of a FOIA log for somewhere in Pennsylvania. I remember what it was. One of their state police or something. And one of the ones that was submitted, I think, was a guy basically asking if they could look into his ex-wife possibly using a fake ID. Oh my gosh. Which really, I don't think is what Boy, yeah. the open records thing was built for. <laughs> yeah. But I guess you know, you got the online form. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, we should we should definitely <laughs> do that. Maybe get someone from from Mock Rock or something. Um, but anyways, we we we've begun to stray from yeah. the topic. <laughs> uh, but this was this was fun. So uh, Tim, well, I, I'll I'll still give you a last word if you if you have one on on all this. Uh, great, since I have nothing prepared. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's okay. Um, no, well, obviously we'll keep covering this because James Comey won't stop talking about it, and uh, um, we'll see how this goes with this administration because he he said a few scary things during his recent hearing that kind of may have sprung from private conversations he's had with some of the administration, so that's yeah. definitely something to keep an eye on. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be watching and... And we'll be reporting on it. So, anyways, uh, thanks for for joining us on the podcast. And uh, thanks to everyone who's listening. And we'll be back next week. Bye.